the best thing you can do is get rid of as much you as you can. I think sometimes, you know, we're under the impression that if we don't hang on to some stuff, you know, well, we're going to miss out. We're, we're going to lose it. Uh, you know, everything's going to shift and move away from us. It, your life can be so much better so quickly if you'll let go of you. If you, you, you know, there, there's these different mentalities, and we live in a, in a culture and a society that's totally consumer-driven. We even come to church with a consumer mentality, you know, that, that, that this is going to be for me, and what am I going to get, and, and am I going to like it, and is it going to fit my personality, my style? And, and, you know, that's all good and well, but the reality is, is that that's the wrong mentality when it comes to living God life. You can't be a consumer. You've got to be a provider. You've got to live to give. You've you got to let life flow out of you. It's not about you. It's not about, you know, your plan, your dream, your position, your thought. Your, it's not you anything. It's, it's all him. It's just all him. And, and when you step outside of yourself and you realize that God has empowered you to, to be a, a, a massive blessing, that people who don't even like you can be blessed by you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How awesome is that? Think about it for just a minute. God knows how to mess with your enemy's head. He'll let you bless them. But we've got to stop complaining about being positioned as a provider. Well, everybody's always taken from me. Well, thank God you're positioned to be a giver. You know, I'm just being, I got to tell you something, guys. That, you know, this is one of the things God's really dealing with me and my, and my heart about. Stop, stop complaining about being the provider. I've called you to be the provider. As a, as a body, as a congregation. And, you know, this week I was talking to my pastor. I call up Charky, you know, and whine. Well, I figure that's what you do when you call your pastors. That's what you do. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, and I call up Shark and I'm talking to him, and he says, you know, I've been praying about you, I've been praying. He said, it's so strange. He said, uh, you know, it, it's just, I had this picture. He said, what, what are you doing right now? And, I, and we were kind of busy in the week. We were, we were delivering food boxes and organizing that stuff, and we had it going on. And, and what, what, 150 food boxes, over 500 meals over Christmas. Think about that. Oh, my God. Is that awesome? You know, what's even what's even cooler or more cooler, however you'd say that correctly. What's even better is that, uh, you know, like over 500 gifts, 500 individuals received Christmas. I mean, it's not just the meals, but it's the gifts, right? Am I off on my numbers? Okay, because I got to be careful because when I tell Sharky, it'll be like 3,000. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, my projected image. Um, but... <laughs> But, 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 you know, you get to think about it. And you, you want to know something, guys, here's what's cool is as a body. I just, I think you need to, you just think you need to realize that God's positioning us to be such an incredible blessing. We didn't participate in recession, right? And we're coming through life blessed. But you know what's crazy is only 38 families actually adopted a family. I think, I think that's rocking. Wait, wait till we get 100 families. Shut up. 
Uh, but I was talking to to pastor, and he said, you know, he said, you know, it's just so strange that when I'm praying for you this week, he said, I saw God, and I hadn't been talking, and, I mean, and he, this provider thing, he actually started, uh, he said, you know, I see God positioning you in the church. You're going to be a provider in that community. And see, for, for 15, 20 years, uh, right? At least 20 years. You, you know my username on eBay? Jira Jr. You want my password? <laughs> Jira Jr. Jira, pr- provider. You know, for, for years, it, it, I, you know, I had it on a license plate. It, when we lived in Oregon, and that was a long time ago, Jaira Jr., and, and uh, you know, God's just really stirring it up. You, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be a, a house that's providing, but you can't be complaining about who you're providing to. And I went, oh, so that's going to be a problem then, huh? I just think that you just need to realize that God's using you in a supernatural way. To, to bless the masses. We're going to bless as many as we can, as much as we can. But it can't be about us. You know, as we enter this new year, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to pause. We're going to take some time. And, and we're, matter of fact, we're, we're shutting all kinds of stuff down. The calendar is just going to go. How long? Till God says to do it different. We're going to get together on Wednesday night and we're going to, we're, we're going to pray and, and we're going to worship and we're going to just seek the face of God and ask that he enlighten the eyes of our understanding that may, that, so that we can have an intimate revelation of the very calling that he's placed upon us so that we can rise up and be who he's called us to be. So excited about this coming year. And, and as, as life becomes more effective, it also becomes more simple. Figure that one out. See, life really is simple. Christmas really is simple. We make it chaos. Come on. Have you been to the mall lately? You know, you got to pray through as you're leaving. You know, I, I mean, really, we, we, we make it so chaotic. We, 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 we make so much out of it. And, we, we play Christmas and miss Christ. And the reason that all of this is going on and, and the reason some of you are in church today, <laughs> we haven't seen you in like a year or something. <laughs> Welcome back. Fresh meat. <laughs> We're celebrating Easter next week. That way we can build some stability in your life. We, we end up missing the real meaning. And most of us have, a, we have pictures of, of Jesus. We have snapshots, right? We got an eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus. We got a poster. Right, we've, we've seen the movie. What was the movie? I told you. You end up praying to the six ounce you're six out, eight out, eight pounds, whatever. They're praying to the baby Jesus. A lot of us, we have a picture of a Jesus that, you know, on the cross. We, we, we know that Jesus. But that's the only picture we really have, and there's so much more to Christ than, than just those two snapshots. 
And, and when we get busy and we get distracted and we get filled, you know, our calendars are full and, and, and you know, and our ambitions are high and, and we're in a society that needs to succeed. We, we learn success, but we miss effectiveness. See, we've learned how to be successful. We can have 250 men show up at a men's meeting, but I want us to become effective. I think God's calling us to be effective. Not Okay, you've proven you can be successful. Now let's be effective. Let, let, let's, 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 be, let's be people who know how to change lives, how to, how to experience transformation. See, some of us, we, we, we know about God life, but we don't really live God life every day. We got it in little sections of our, uh, you know, it's like in a, in a closet somewhere. But God wants to fill your life. Your te- he wants the whole thing to be nothing but God life. All of this distraction just keeps us from really connected. We, we, we're close to God, but separated from God life. How does that happen? You know, the fact is, is that Jesus came so that you'd have more joy than sorrow, more health than sickness, more, more hope than despair, you know, more future than the past. And, and sometimes we get so busy and so compressed and so broken inside that in reality, we, even though we know that God life is, is, is the, the life, we're still not living that life. We're going to press this year. I got to tell you something. I'd rather, you know, I'd, I'd just rather be surrounded with 50 people who walk God life than 5,000 people who come up with excuses why we don't. I don't want to justify the lack of God's promise in my life. I want to prove that his promises are real. I, I know that God's called us. He's given us a mandate to lead people into victorious Christian living. I, I, I told one of my good friends this week, I said, I hope when we get there and we're leading people in victory that, that some of them are people we know. You know, because so, you know, I think sometimes we, we settle. I think at church, honestly, at the garden, I think it, we, we get so busy, we settle. We justify you know, where we're at. But God's taking us someplace new. It's not what's right and what's wrong. It's what's old and what's new. Look at your neighbor and say, what's new with you? Don't wait for an answer because they're confused. <laughs> but we can't, we can't miss everything that's here in Christ. We've got to stop. You know, there's a word used in the Bible. It's, it's not a real fancy word, but I think sometimes we skip over it. In, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's hine. In the Greek, it's idu. And in the English, it's behold. Behold. That word behold, it, it means stop. Focus. See this correctly. Which implies some things. You know, number one, if you're not careful, you'll be going too fast. You know, in your, in your effort to succeed, listen, it, it just doesn't do you any good to have great success if you don't have the freedom to enjoy it and to, to share it and, and to, to multiply it, you know, to, to, to invest it in others. You know, stop. Focus, you, you know, that's what we're going to do this year. We're going to 
refocus our focus. We're, we're going we're to bring things into clarity. Which implies that if you allow yourself to run through life too quickly, you may miss the real point. You, you might live out of focus. See this correctly, which means, really, you might be looking at life wrong and not know it. I mean, I'm sure that we all know people who see things wrong. We know people who see things wrong when they look at us. You're sitting right next to some of them. Don't look. Because they're waiting to see if you're going to respond here. Be very careful, straightforward. Look bored. <laughs> Come on, you know, that, you know that there's people that when they look at you, they don't really see the true you. You, you, you know that they think that your heart is not for them but against them, and, and you don't feel that way at all, but yet you know that's how they see you. Well, how could they see me that way? Well, because people have a tendency to move so fast that they lose focus and they end up seeing wrong. And that guy next to you, that guy behind you, that guy at work, that guy that you work for, that guy that worked for you, the... the Whatever, he's just like you. Because if you're not careful, you do the same thing. You go through life, you miss the focus, and you see it wrong. And if we're not careful, we do the same thing. This time of year, here it is, it's Christmas, time to celebrate the birth of Christ. Well, you've got to stop and see him correctly. You can't go off that snapshot that you've got in your, in your head. I, 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 know, I know the Bible says, behold. You know, uh, unto us a child is given. That's just where it starts. Matter of fact, if, if we put it up on the screen, we've got some scripture for you. Um, where are we at? The, well, just put the first one up. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. You know, if you, if you study the, the Bible, all through the Bible, there's a bunch of beholds that right after it are statements about Christ that are absolutely life-changing if you see them correctly. I think this is so cool because most of us don't really take time to think about this, that 700 years before the birth of Christ, 700 years, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign. And I think heaven got pretty excited when they thought this through. I, you know, Think about it. Here's God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. They're all having a meeting. Well, how can we do this so that there's no way these people can screw it up? Let's give him a sign. Let's have a baby born of a virgin. I mean, where are they going to find another one? Are we sure this is the one? There's only one. 700 years before the birth of Christ, a plan goes into action so that this child can come down and begin to fulfill prophecy. Do you realize that the prophecies concerning Christ, just him alone, it, that, that, that have already been fulfilled, that were already secured, that already line up with the Word of God, that they say that if you take the state of Texas and bury it in golf balls three, four feet deep, and you have two of them that aren't white, 
right? You got two pink ones. And if you don't have them, just borrow them from Marty. He's got some pink ones. And, and throw them out there somewhere. Mix it up. Get blindfolded. Reach into that stack of, of golf balls and pull out the two pink ones. First time. That's the odds of every prophecy about Christ being fulfilled that have already been fulfilled. I mean, you got to see this correctly. He's going to give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive. And they're going to call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We're going ha- to have a baby. Be- behold, the child. 700 years in advance. You want to talk about a planner. God's a planner. I love what David said. I I look behind me and you're there. I look out in front of me. You're out there too. God's working. Causing things to come together. Things you couldn't possibly figure out on your own. You, You know, you're looking at stuff in your life and wondering how in the world that God's orchestrating all of that. Think about it, to, to, to bring life to you 2,010 years ago, 700 years prior, a prophecy was given because God had to have a plan that would be so sure that you couldn't mess it up. He put some time and effort into this. Behold the child. John the Baptist. Remember, people are flocking out to the desert and they're being baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist makes a statement. He says, behold, stop, guys. Hey, check this out. The Lamb of God. Whoever you were, whatever you were doing at that point in life, it would have stopped you dead in your tracks. Because those people lived under a sacrificial system. Think about it. They had heard for hundreds of years, it had been passed down, that the Savior's coming and he's going to be born of a virgin. And, and when this child was born, remember, they found him lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloth. What's swaddling cloth? Well, that's the cloth that they used to prepare a body for burial. So they knew that this lamb was going to die. This child had been born not to live, but to die. So when John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, everybody stopped. Because they'd been told all of their life that someone's going to come pay the price for sin. See, in that day and age, if you sinned, you paid. And if the sin was big enough, you died. But if you had a buddy... He could die in your place. They're looking out and they see Jesus, the lamb. They've learned all of their life about the Passover. They've heard the stories. They knew that when God brought his children out of bondage, that the death angel was coming and they would took an innocent lamb and, and and they sacrificed that lamb and they took a sponge and they dipped it in the blood and they painted the doorposts. And when the... When the death angel saw the blood, he'd pass over. And they're standing out there in pursuit of something real. And, and looking, for, looking for the Savior. And, and the guy that they're running to says, stop. 
Look, there he is. The Lamb of God. He's going to die for you. The people, man, they, they're blind to this. The one born of a virgin, we're going to take him and now and we're, we're going we're to pierce his hands and his feet and we're going to nail him to a tree. On the way to the cross, he goes before Pontius Pilate. And remember, Pilate, he, he's asking the people, you know, you've got enough sin to, for some of these guys, but you're going to have to let one of them go because you don't, you don't have enough, uh, uh, you know, evidence to, to kill all of these people. The people were hungry for blood. And, and, and remember, they, they, they said, give us, you know, Barabbas, but kill Jesus. So they bring him out and he's got a thorn of crowns on his head and a purple robe on. And Pilate makes a statement. He says, behold, the man. See, a lot of us, we've seen the, the, you know, the snapshot of the child. And we kind of got the lamb. But have you seen the man? What kind of man was Jesus? What kind of man was Jesus? That he, he was the kind of man that when he saw people hurting, he changed it. He reached out to those that nobody else would touch, you know, the, the lepers. You, you couldn't even, you know, go down the same street as the common people. But Jesus not only went to him, he embraced him. That's the kind of man he was. Oh, yeah, but he was God. No, he was a man that was so full of God that you couldn't see the man. See, that's what God wants to do in you and me. He, he wants to give us so much God. That we don't see anything anymore but God. He, he, he wants your, your true image, which is in Christ, is not you. You're hung up on you. You aren't even supposed to be in the picture. Man, the devil, he's done a good job, hasn't he? He's got us all worried about, well, you don't know what I've done. It's not about you. You're dead. You're in Christ. Let, let Christ just overwhelm you so that we don't see you no more. What kind of man was he? When he saw a blind man, he'd, he'd spit and make mud things and poke them in his eyes. He wasn't too worried about what other people were thinking. You know, he's just following the, the leading of the Spirit. Didn't say anything. He didn't hear the... Father, say, what kind of man it was he? Oh, he was really popular. Yeah, especially when he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they, they took off. I think this dude's a freak. Why did he say that? Probably because the father told him to. You think the disciples got together and said, you better explain that one to us. And he said, no. Let him explain it to you. You know, learn to hear from God. What kind of man was he? He was the kind of man that when they nailed him on a tree and they, and they were ridiculing him and mocking him and, 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 and just humiliating him, he cries out, forgive him. That's the kind of man he was. You know, here we're, we're doing Christmas and we got a tree and, a, and, and some red lights and, and, and a, and a buck-toothed Jesus and a Christmas play. He's cute. 
You know, it's awesome. You know, it's really, it's really cool. But that's the wrong picture. You know, you, you got to realize, we, we can't afford to miss Christ right now. Then our world is chaos. It's death and disease and depression and recession. Where's God and all of this? You know, you know, people are hurting. Two-thirds of the world, you do realize that your lifestyle is not normal. Two-thirds of the world's population hungry, homeless, suffering humanity. Where's God in all of this? Well, it's supposed to be overwhelming us. We've been positioned to make a difference. How's he going to deal with this, though? I mean, we, we got thousands of people dying from cholera outbreak and wars and terrorism. And, 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 and even, even in America, drug-related death or, you know, is through the roof. And, and, and just think of the countless numbers of people who were, who were injured, trampled on their way into Walmart to get their wee. We live in a weird world. Bible says, Behold, I come quickly. Behold, the soon coming king. You, you know, the, the Jesus that came is a lowly servant, in the form of a child, born of a virgin, born to die. When he comes back, he's got a different mindset. Thinking differently. My reward is with me. He's, he's coming back. I said he's coming back. He's coming back. I, I don't know if we have enough time to continue to live distracted, to continue to let life go so fast that we miss our focus. Because we're surrounded by people who are not going to spend eternity with him unless you and I do something about it. And that, that picture that a lot of people have, you know, of the, of the religious ceremonial, you know, production, that, that Jesus, it really doesn't help when life goes sideways. It's not enough. When the doctor says, I don't think you're going to make it. To know Jesus as, as just the baby in the manger. It's not enough. We need the Jesus who knows how to raise the dead. We need the Jesus who, who knows how to heal the sick. We need a Jesus who, who knows how to forgive how to embrace, how, how, to, how to bring life into death situations. We got to have a revelation of the, uh, of the, behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. I, uh, you need to understand and know that Jesus who wants to participate in every day of your life. 
I, I grew up in church. We had a tent. We traveled. We were musicians at seven, eight, nine. You know, we, we, all through this childhood, always in church. And I got to tell you something that a lot of times the Jesus that I knew just that wasn't enough to put up with Christians. I mean, I'm just being real here. The Jesus I knew, he, that wasn't enough just to put up with church people. So that there had to be more. There's got to be more. And when I had a, a collision with the reality of Christ, you know, the Jesus that split our calendar in half, that over 2,000 years ago, you know, that, that, that came to the earth. Today, I'm here to tell you, he radically has changed my life. Church did not do this for me. But the reality of Christ. And if we're not careful, we get busy. Church grows, so we play church. But we miss Jesus. We become the very thing that we said we're never going to be like that. How many of you, and don't, please don't raise your hand or respond, but just think how many of you, when you were growing up and your parents were doing something that you thought was just totally, you know, maybe across the line, I'm never going to do that. I'm never, never, never going to do that. You find yourself doing it thinking, oh, this is what I said I was never going to do. Why do we do that? Even in horrific situations, when a a child is growing up and he's abused, physically abused, and and he, oh, he can't wait to get out of that environment, and then he creates it himself. It's amazing the high percentage of kids that were abused that become abused. How did this happen? Well, because it's the only thing you've seen. And and you will be attracted to, to what you've seen. So if you don't stop and focus and see it correctly, you're going to end up in the wrong place. And guys, i got to tell you, it's not like there's you know, some evil intention. But the, re- but the reality is, is that if we're not careful, we're going to be just like everybody else. And God hasn't called us to be everybody else. I can't miss Christ. I don't want my boys to know church. I want them to know Jesus. I don't want you to know how to justify not having God life. I don't want you to have a collision with it. I want us to stop. Focus. What God has for you is so much better. So much better. We know that your greatest satanic opposition always comes after your freshest revelation. We know that when you say, I'm moving from connected to committed, all hell's going to break loose. I'm going to get committed to God. 
I'm going to get committed to the house. I'm going to get committed. And all hell breaks loose. And if you don't know Christ, you will assume it ain't worth it. Man, I'd rather just golf. I'd rather fish. Uh, Not me personally, because I find that insanely boring. Unless we're catching you know, I, I, I just, I'd rather stay at the house because it isn't, it isn't worth it unless you know Christ. See, because it is in the knowledge of Christ that you have the ability to say, I'm ready for anything. I'm equal to anything that comes my way through Christ who is infusing me with an inner strength. See, you're, you're done with the presence. The meals are over, I hope. Hopefully somebody finished off the fudge. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. I, 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 knew, I knew it was going to be rough. The other day I had Shelby drop me off. I ran from just up the street here to the house and because I had to burn off some calories. And then I looked at how many calories I'd had, and I went, oh, well. I'm going to have to do that 72 more times. <laughs> this part of the holiday's over. But that doesn't mean we have to miss Christ. It's not too late. Thinking about Todd this morning as he was sharing, and you know, making sure. I think I think that's a good that's a good it's a good practice, a good good thing to do. You know, make sure I've truly honored God. Not not just in my giving. Oh, here here he comes. He's coming for my money. You're crazy. How about with your life? Matthew six says, "Seek first the kingdom of God." His righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Take your life. You know, if you don't understand what tithing does, tithing marks your finances. Well, giving him your life marks your life. You know, how about how about we take inventory and we ask ourselves, have I truly honored God? I got to tell you, I love God. But when I, when I go into his presence and ask that question, I, I, I can't come out feeling too good. Have I truly honored God every day? No. But I'm going to learn to. What if it kills you? I hope it does. Because that's kind of the idea, isn't it? That we'd give ourselves away. What are we going to do with the 
new year. I'm going to humiliate hell. I'm going to live a surrendered life. So you go into the fast. It's going to be really hard to fast some things. Shelby and I are going to Hawaii next week or something, right? Two weeks, three weeks. I'm going to go check in at security in an hour or so and just wait. Get ahead of the rush. What are we going to fast? I'm going to fast Tom. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do everything I can to not live Tom this year. I want more of God. And I'm here today to tell you, you can't afford to play Christmas and miss Christ. Behold the child. That was born as a sign. God's plan is beginning to unfold. He's born to die. Behold, behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Behold the man. Shows you how to be so consumed with God that we can't see the man. Behold the soon coming king. Don't, don't get so busy and distracted that you forget that there's a purpose. But behold the Christ that wants to participate. Come to the table if you'll open that door. Man, let him in. Let him in. It's not comfortable. But it's the best thing you can do. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment. I just want to pray.